0: Coming up on this week's show, Unlimited Windows XP Codes Forever.
1: Play Tetris on a Chicken Muck Nugget. And we catch up with DJ Slopes from Slopes Game Room.
0: The Retro Hour podcast is brought to you every Friday with our great mates at Bitmap Books. Now, something to look out for. Coming very soon, PC Engine, the box art collection, the collector's edition now this comes in a gorgeous sturdy slip case and features an exclusive cover illustration by the legendary will overton of rare and Super Play magazine fame and it also features will's artwork in a protective dust jacket as well now the thing about this is it's limited only 2,000 copies and they will never print it again so get full details of that and the rest of their retro gaming collection at bitmapbooks.com And with our friends at PCBWay. Now, if you're working on a retro project over summer, they offer a fully-featured custom PCB prototyping service with low-cost, fast turnaround quality boards, and they offer services like 3D printing and injection moulding, and they're massive supporters of the retro community. So get an instant quote for your project right now at PCBWay.com. Hello and welcome to the Retro Hour podcast, episode number 380, your weekly dose of retro gaming and technology news with me, Dan Wood. Me, Ravi Abbott. And me, Joe Fox. And very nice to have you joining us for our first podcast of June. Of course, the show that every single Friday will take you behind the scenes on the world of retro gaming, bringing on guests on the podcast every week, and the variety of people we bring you on this show. Massive. Anything from developers, company CEOs, artists, musicians, content creators. Every single episode, we bring you a guest in the second half. And of course, the first half of the podcast, that's when we basically save you a bit of time. You don't have to follow all the blogs and Google around and check Twitter every day. We give you a little summary of all the big headlines and the stuff that's been happening in the world of retro from over the last seven days with our little expert panel of uh, geeks, I think it's fair to describe as all as. And um, now that we're well into summer, I'm getting ready for a... Uh, a couple of weeks away just getting the nintendo switch loaded up with retro games because <laughs> of course that's what all us true gamers do isn't it you know we don't enjoy any sunshine we just sit inside playing video games throughout the summer Absolutely. i remember
1: uh last time <laughs> i i flew out with dan um his switch was left on in a bag oh yeah and, and it massively overheated and uh yeah i
0: think you n- nearly wrecked your switch when we went out last time <laughs> You know, they actually did an announcement because I went to Poland this weekend, just gone. Um, was out there at Pixel Heaven. I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but yeah, actually, they did an announcement on the plane saying If you've got any gadgets, like if your portable console or your phone overheats, you must contact one of the flight attendants as soon as possible. And apparently they've run out with like a bag that cools it down now. Yeah, they've so got, got like a little a
1: isolation trend. thing. And I, think, I yeah. think they probably learned from the uh, Galaxy phones, which I know was one yeah. thing <laughs> that would go at the moment. But it's quite scary if there's like a, a, a proper proper fire on there you can you can melt through the floor and stuff so um,
0: yeah yeah those lithium batteries they just keep burning yeah. don't they? so uh, yeah i'll definitely be uh, paying a bit more attention to shutting down my nintendo switch this time which i've got a feeling it's meant to do on, on its own but it didn't last time uh, but yeah back from a great weekend in poland so um it's, it's really bizarre i'll send this to you guys out there over the weekend um for those that haven't been before a great gaming event and it's a bit of a a mixture really of retro and kind of modern indie gaming um, loads of people from all around the world there. So it's probably about a thousand people there on the Saturday. It was really busy. But just met so many Retro Hour listeners and people who watch my YouTube channel as well. And I was saying to you guys, you know, it, it's always surreal when we meet people who know who we are in different mm. countries. And I was like, how do you know about my... Like, oh, yeah, of course. We put this thing on the internet, don't we? So, yes, yeah, so you were there over the weekend. It was great to meet you.
2: I, lo- I love that. I can imagine the confusion when, when people go, oh, you're Dan Wood from, you know, don't you know the Amiga's your YouTube channel, you're just there like, What would do you mean? how yeah. do you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who are you? How do you know? <laughs> um yeah, it was a really good event. My second time out there in Poland, so um Great to meet so many people there. Have a few beers in the sunshine as well on the Saturday afternoon. That was really nice. And uh, we've got loads more events we're going to be at all throughout the summer as well. I know you're in talk with the guys from Retro Messer in Norway, Ravi. Maybe Uh, you and a special guest heading out there this summer. Of course, your big event in Nottingham. It's all going on. So, of course, if you want to see where we're going to be over the next few months, uh, check your podcast app. uh, Have a little look in the show notes, which I will make sure work on this week's episode of the podcast. because Yeah, what, what, what happened
1: there last week? Because um usually oh. they're solid with the show notes, and Dan kind of disappeared to Poland, and I got yeah. messages saying the show notes aren't working. And I was like,
0: ah, oh, I have to update it all. Yeah, to, to not to bore people. Basically, I use a service called Bitly normally, which basically shortens the links so they fit in the show notes. Um, and for some reason, last week it told me I was up to my limit with making URLs, so... I googled Bitly Alternative and this thing called Snipply came up and the links all worked fine on Thursday before I went to Poland and then uh, all stopped working over the weekend. It's guaranteed uh, to do that when you're away. (laughs) 100%. So uh, I will get those fixed and uh, they will work again. Thank you for all your messages on that. Hopefully it's sorted for this week. And uh, today we're going to be catching up with um, a good mate of the podcast. Now, I was chatting to Joe last week. I'm just kind of talking about, you know, videos and stuff we've watched on YouTube recently. And I mentioned that um, DJ Slope's in Television and Miko video just incredible. I don't know if you guys have watched this. It's a, nearly a four-hour documentary that is done. And it's the most in-depth thing that you could, the most in-depth investigation, really, into the whole in Intellivision Amico drama, I guess you could say, or saga. Yeah, you know what? Um, it, it, I've seen it everywhere. Like, you know,
2: so many people were covering, weren't covering the drama, there was outlets covering how good, the, you know, the uh, the documentary was, you know, that Slopes yeah. put out and the fact that it was like four hours and I think it took him like five months to make it or something like that, it's absolutely yeah. fantastic and uh, it's quite a, a bit of a sad story from his point of view as well. Like, I don't want to spoil our interview with Slopes, but, um you know, kind of like where he was at, how he felt when, the you know, the Intellivision was kind of first announced and, you know, his interviews with Tommy Tellerico and all this kind of stuff and how, how it's, you know, how it started and how it kind of ended for Slopes, you know, as well. Yeah. And, you know, obviously he doesn't go into too much of that in his his, his kind of documentary about it, because it's, it's not about him, it's about the story of it and the drama of it and stuff, but talking to Slopes about it all and, you know, how you know how he was covering it from day one and he covered it for years and kind of like how he feels about it now and stuff like that. It was really interesting to talk to him about it and kind of see his point of view and everything from it. And obviously I love Slopes videos as well. I absolutely love his uh, complete history videos, you know, it, it, yeah. I would just, I'd just look, whenever he brings one of them out, I'll just sit there, especially when it's Sega Mega Drive stuff or Sega, you know, stuff that started on the Sega franchises. Absolutely fantastic videos. He did the Castlevania one, which was absolutely fantastic. House of the Dead one a few years ago as well. So it was really great to chat to him about that because I wasn't on the first interview you guys did with him, which
0: no, we had him on knocking on for five years ago. Yeah, no, you're January, in. 2018. Hmm. Uh, wow. It was the last time we had it
2: on. So it was really great to have him on again, wasn't it, Dan?
0: Yeah, and also catch. I mean, you know, the Intellivision Amico, we kind of covered this when it was all kicking off. Mm. I mean, it was uh, this console, Tommy Talarico. he kind of bought the rights to the classic Intellivision brand, you know, that was um, around in the, the 80s. Mm. Originally, the, the Intellivision saw 3 million units back then, made by Mattel, and obviously we've covered the original one as well. But this was kind of a, a mission to kind of bring the Intellivision brand back mm. as a couch-based gaming console, And um, this launched as a crowdfunder back in October 2020. But, of course, so many delays and so much has been surrounding this as well. There's been so much criticism of it. And now, you know, there's all these rumours that, you know, Tommy's stepped away now and the the company's run out of money as well. So, but weirdly, I mean, we do talk about this as well, that the Intellivision Amico has been relisted on Amazon again Mm. recently. So, you know, we don't know whether, I mean, I'm not holding my breath this thing's ever going to come out, but, you know, they do keep, because it keeps showing up in places so yeah and, and slopes video he did i mean like i said it was several hours long but for me i was um i was working away a couple of months ago and i had a an hour commute there and an hour back so i literally put slopes video on on my on the bluetooth in the car and just listen to it like a podcast yeah so it was really interesting to hear. And um, yeah, I mean, it's by far the best coverage of the whole Intellivision Amico scandal so far. So uh, we're going to be catching up with Slope's Game Room, kind of about what he's been up to as well. And uh, obviously talking quite a lot about his incredible Intellivision Amico video. So always nice to catch up with people. And I um, can't believe we left it almost half a decade since the last time we had him on. So Slope's Game Room, he's going to be our special guest and he'll be on the podcast in around half an hour from now. Now, there is uh, plenty happening in the world of retro and uh, we're going to talk about something that actually delayed the start of this week's podcast in just a moment possibly the most addictive retro game that you can play in your web browser in just a minute before we do that though um i know this uh, caught your attention joe um this is a game originally came out back in 2004 mm-hmm. metal gear solid 3 snake eater now this came originally on ps2 ps3 there's a version of as well yeah. i remember the hd yeah. version of it but this is coming back with a proper full-on remake
2: yeah so uh like you say 2004 for the original on ps2 and then oh god 2011 maybe maybe 2012 they did the hd remaster where you got metal gear solid 2 and 3 for ps3 Mm -hmm. and xbox 360 which have become really expensive actually because you know they're quite solid hd remasters but yeah this isn't a remaster of the original game or anything like this this is a complete. Remake of Metal Gear Solid Snake Eater, and they're calling it Metal Gear Solid Delta Snake Eater, um, and it's going to be coming to PS5, Xbox Series X and S, and Steam, uh, which a lot of people are quite happy about because of the original Snake Eater never came out on PC. So, so. Uh, mm. I don't quite understand what it is like. Um,
1: you know, Sam <laughs> <So, laughs> said we're experts in the area at the beginning,
0: but um, yeah. I, I, that word just slipped out. I shouldn't have said. That.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you'll soon realise as you listen to the podcast. No. Uh, Metal Gear Solid Snake Eater is—is—is is, is that a follow-on then? And is yeah. So what, for- what? What's the kind of theme of it? Because I'm looking at the trailer here, and it's very um, animal-based.
2: Yes. So you've got so. I'm going to go into a full like metal gear solid like metal gear <laughs> breakdown now so you've got um in the mainline series of what we kind of know today so there was the the ones for the msx in japan which were called metal gear one and two and then you got the western nintendo kind of releases of them which were based on those games what weren't those games for the original nes and then in 1998 i think it was you got metal gear solid which follows the story of like solid snake then there was yeah. that was on the playstation one then you got Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty, uh, for the PS2. And then the third one was Metal Gear Solid Snake Eater, which was actually set in the 1960s, whereas you play as... I don't want to get too much into it, but you play as the original kind of Solid Snake, who's called Big Boss, who the Solid Snake as we know it is a clone of. It's, it's all really, you know, like the story and everything. It's too hard for me to explain in like 30 seconds. But Snake Eater uh, is the one that came out in 2004, and essentially you're in the jungle in that one. And It looks... Um... It looks very Vietnam kind of. Yeah, um, uh, yeah,
0: yeah. It's in the Cold War, isn't it? Yeah, though? it's during
2: the Cold War. I can't I can't remember the exact story. It's a really, really good game. I've not played it for a long time. But yeah, a lot of the kind of like game mechanics of Snake Eater, because obviously the Metal Gear Solid games are kind of based around stealth and, you know, obviously like CQC, like Coast Guard combats and stuff like that. You can use a lot of, ca- there's like a camouflage function in it. So you camouflage yourself so the enemies can't see you and you've got kind of like blending. With the, you know, your surroundings blending with the jungle, blending with the sand and the mud and stuff like that. Yeah,
1: this is a straight
2: out of apocalypse now. This kind yeah. of intro. Oh, that yeah, I'm yeah, 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 at the moment. 100%. And then the reason it was called Snake Eater was because of how you kind of healed yourself and stuff. One of the ways you could heal yourself in Snake Eater was you would hunt animals as well. Cause the idea is like you're on a solo secret mission, you know, in the jungle. So you have to hunt and kill animals to feed yourself and stuff like that and heal. And then also you could break your bones if you got hurt, you got shot. You had to actually heal yourself. You had to um, actually patch up your wounds and stuff like that. It was really, really in-depth for like PS2. And now, obviously, this is a complete remake. So it's not a remaster or anything like that. They completely built the game again. But what's interesting about it is it's a Konami game. And Konami, they've kind of disappeared over the last couple of years. You know, they've been just doing their pachinko machines in, in Japan. And they've got such
0: huge, you know, like, IPs that they've just not really done anything with. But all- I remember you saying like uh, a year or so ago, you know, you kind of feared that maybe they are kind of given up on console gaming. Yeah, and all
2: of a sudden now they're doing a Silent Hill 2 remake, which we covered a few months ago, which is coming out, mm. I think, later this year or maybe next year. And now they've just announced Metal Gear Solid Delta, Snake Eater. Um, unfortunately, it's not got anything to do with Hideo Kojima, who is the father, you know, he invented Metal Gear. And was the director of like all the Metal Gear games. Unfortunately, he had a falling out over Metal Gear Solid 5 Phantom Pain, which I think came out in like 2015. Um, and he no longer works for Konami. So they have kind of released a statement not addressing that, but just saying, you know, the developers of Metal Gear Delta are gonna make sure that they make the game as, you know, as good as the original and as faithful to the original and hope that the fans embrace it and enjoy it. So kind of like a semi kind of acknowledgement that he's not involved with it. Um, But what's also interesting is they have announced along the side of it that Metal Gear Solid 1, 2 and 3, the originals, they they are going to be released for PS5 and modern consoles as well as like re-releases. So they are remasters and it's nice to see Metal Gear Solid 1 getting that remaster because we didn't get that when number 2 and 3 came out, at least in the UK. I think Japan might have got it. So I'm really
1: excited to play them. It it always seems that Metal Gear Solid is one of these titles that pushes the system graphically. Oh yeah, and like yeah. looking at this it it does look absolutely mind-blowing. And yeah. I like the fact that it's got all these modern graphics, amazing mm-hmm. effects, but it's kind of recalling back to its Older, older yeah. kind of roots. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I do remember I was reading as well you know, Snake Eater, that was originally meant to be a launch game for the PlayStation 3. Oh, wow. Um, okay. But they were working on it for, you know, because the PS3 kept getting delayed. Yeah. So in the end, they actually moved the development back to the PlayStation 2. Oh, So okay. well, that's why it was one of those that really pushed the PS2. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In terms of graphics.
2: Yeah, graphically. I mean, the Metal Gear Solid games graphically have always been amazing. Metal Gear Solid 4 was an early PS3 game in the end, and graphically, that looks fantastic. I remember getting Metal Gear Solid Five for my Xbox One and saying to my brother, who's a big Metal Gear Solid fan, he was always a big Metal Gear Solid fan. And I remember saying to him when Phantom Pain Five came out, that might have been the best looking game I'd ever seen. That was like that was mm. next gen. Like it looked, it looked absolutely astonishing, amazing because it's set in the desert and then it moves into the jungle. Funny enough, um, mm. and I remember it just yeah. So you're absolutely spot on there, Ravi. Like Metal Gear games completely push the consoles to their limits usually um so usually crossed, they're
1: it's uh, uh, one. a playstation exclusives as well so they <laughs>
2: yeah. probably push sales as well yeah yeah absolutely they are usually um but yeah when this first got announced last week i thought it was only on ps5 but the trailer i'm looking at now says it's on xbox series x and steam as well i'm not too sure about the one to three remasters if they, I, the trailer i've seen on that did just say ps5 so i'm not sure if they're coming to xbox series x or not but one of the things I've been reading is because of number three never actually came out on PC. People are excited to see if the remaster of Snake Eater, so the original 2004 remaster, if they are going to put that on Steam now, um, because mm. that, that never that's never ever been on PC officially. So um, it'd be interesting to see if they do that. But yeah, really excited about this and excited to see that, you know, the new Snake Eater is going to be on Xbox as well.
0: Yeah, and this is only a little two minute twenty trailer they put out so far. We haven't got a release date or anything No, like no, yet, nothing but, um, like that. No, unfortunately. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll link up the trailer if we ever look. I'm sure it won't be too far away. Hopefully. Now, what about this um, combining two of Ravi's favorite things, <laughs> McDonald's and Tetris? Yeah, uh, McDonald's is far from my favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> so you're more a Burger King guy, aren't you? So yeah. <laughs> well,
1: I just, I just, yeah. I'm, I'm for personal reasons, I'm not a fan of of these huge franchises, especially uh ronald's one but this is um (laughs) more a greg's guy (laughs) none of them (laughs) cook your own food um but yeah this is interesting they've kind of in china they've released this like obviously tetris is the the big thing at the moment everyone seems to be talking about it there's releases coming out and um they've released a little handheld Mm. Yeah, which, um, go ahead and talk about the shape of it and stuff. It's really, for me, I'm just kind of like, this is like a slight upgrade on the tap <laughs> that they used to release in the 80s. It, it,
0: it's better than what we were getting Happy Meals over here, I'll give them that.
2: Yeah, it, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because it's apparently to celebrate the 40th anniversary of the chicken nugget, but it is Tetris on a plastic chicken nugget. So it's a little, mm. you know, imagine kind of like graphically, the Tiger kind of game com, uh, Tiger handheld things from, like, the 80s and 90s, but it's a fully functioning Tetris with the big McDonald's M in the uh, bottom right corner. Yeah, it's like, it's a chicken nugget. So I thought it was the size of a chicken nugget as well, you know, like, kind of like an inch tall, but it's big. It's like the size of a, Mm. it's like the size of, like, a hand. It's like, I I I would have a say, probably the original. Like an iPhone or something. like Yeah, like an iPhone, maybe not too far off, like, a Game Boy Pocket. But yeah, man. China are definitely getting better toys than what we are in the UK at the moment. I've not seen any on eBay, but people, you know, in the comments on the pages I'm reading, people are managing to get them, you know, to buy them. So they are part of the Happy Meal, which is only the equivalent of $4 in China. And a couple of people have said they have managed to snag them for about $8, you know, on like websites and stuff like that. Um, But I just, I can see this becoming a really silly collector's item in the future. Yeah.
0: And it's got kind of a D-pad on there as well, so obviously you can kind of move the Tetris yeah. pieces around. But it's also got a, a rotate button as well, a nice big button in the corner, yeah. Which means you, you can only rotate the the Tetris pieces in one direction, apparently. Yeah. Um, by pressing that button, but also very cool. Inside the box, you also get a little carry case for it as well. Yeah, you get a for your, your little console. You get a
2: little carry case, and the box is like the chicken nugget box, which is yeah. quite funny <laughs> <laughs> that you get like your twenty nuggets in. Usually, I just think it's so. It's cool, but it's so bizarre of like yeah. I, the only thing I can think of is like what you two said. It's just Tetris is big at the moment. Yeah, you
1: know? it's um obviously they've paid the rights for it. So just mm-hmm. looking at the back, you know, it it says it's owned by the Tetris holding company. Yeah. And uh, you know, uh, Alexei Priginov as well. Is, yeah, his name's on there, isn't it? Yeah. In, in the back, yeah. Um it, it's a piece of tat, isn't it? Yeah. It's um, <laughs> <that's laughs> not very
2: ergonomic throwaway. Um, no, no, but I, uh, I, I, if I saw one, you know, for for a fiver, I think I'd buy it yeah. just for this for the tat of it because it's funny. But yeah,
0: and that's the thing. I mean, the fact that we're now at the stage where basically McDonald's can give away video games consoles with a Happy Meal.
1: Well, interestingly, if you look at the history of McDonald's, I've covered a lot of this in uh, in Amiga Addict magazine. You know, they, they have a background of mm. of releasing kind of propaganda games in the nineties that were. Um, you know, there was Mac Kids, there was there was these like Treasure environmental Island. ones as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. so at one point they could probably release a game collection. I think that they have uh, you know, quite a big back catalogue.
2: Yeah, um, you you know and what? They probably own the
1: rights to a lot of those titles.
2: Yeah, you're not you're not wrong, actually, yeah, because there was Global Gladiators and then there was That was it, Global Gladiators. Yeah, and then yeah. there was McDonald's Treasure Island as well for the Mega Drive. And then they if I remember rightly, they have actually done the little tiger handhelds in happy meals before mm. as well like little miniature versions of them and um, obviously the you've 90s. got like a cool spot and you've got a seven mm. up and all of that so i, I don't should, know maybe they should do a junk food compilation for like ps5 yeah. <laughs> yeah. but they wouldn't call it junk food they'd be like no.
1: yeah no. healthy fun food <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> all the kids are getting fat off chicken nuggets yeah. <laughs> yeah they always use that word fun they always annoyed me as a kid you know, they got like a fun sized Mars bar or something they were half the size What's of a fun about Mars it? bar that wasn't fun. Exactly, fun about yeah. it Yeah, <laughs> ne- never got that yeah so um, that is very cool and I think you know um, yeah I've got a feeling you're right Joe these definitely going to become collector's items particularly if they're only available on China I've got in China I've got a feeling these are going to be on eBay for like a ridiculous amount of money very soon so um, yeah, yeah they're, even, they're in, even in even
1: in the see. 80s and 90s I remember going to car boot sales and there'd be these people with like Happy Meal toys and there'd yeah. be a whole kind of industry in it. It's like Pez or something. Um, You know, it's like a weird kind of collectible. Yeah,
0: so they are available only in China at the moment by the looks of it. And there's a little uh, YouTube video if you want to kind of watch out with the Tetris plays in a McDonald's McNugget. So I'll link that up in our show notes as well. Now, Windows XP, that does seem to be the operating system that just never goes away. You've got a Windows XP box, haven't you, Ravi? Uh, Yeah, yeah, I've got two actually. (laughs) What about this? If you're interested in setting up Windows XP, do you remember back in the day, I remember... As being, you know, a bona fide nerd, I had to uh, I queued up in the rain to get hold of a copy of Windows I know, XP. It wasn't
2: that nerdy.
1: But, um, on launch day.
0: Right? Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. There for the launch. It,
1: that's so, pretty mad. I remember seeing um was it was it Windows XP or it was Windows ninety five where they had the Friends
0: cast? Yeah, that was ninety five. Doing a yeah. whole video
1: of it. Yeah, XP was Longhorn, wasn't it? That was turned into a.
0: No, that was Vista. Vista. Yeah, oh, it was okay. uh, Chicago was a uh, Windows Chicago. XP. Chicago. Yeah. The code name. Yeah, I believe. Oh, well, that, that might have been ninety five. Yeah. Well, no, Whistler. That was it. Windows Whistler was XP. If you're talking code names, um, but yeah, I remember. Yeah, it was two thousand one, uh, October, pouring down rain, standing outside PC World on a Saturday morning. I think it was waiting for them to open to go in and snag my copy of Windows XP. Now, back then, um, we only had dial-up internet. Maybe may have just got cable modem in. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I've got a feeling I had to go via my uh, my housemate's computer with like a LAN cable where we, we ran it between our rooms and he had, he had the modem connected to his machine and then I could go online via his. That's the way it worked. But I remember not being able to activate Windows XP online so I couldn't get on the internet. So what I had to do is, you might remember doing this, Ravi, having to uh, ring the Microsoft hotline and actually putting the numbers in, your serial number, to get an activation code uh, yeah. to make sure that Windows I never, I I never
1: rang those guys. I, I was on dodgy, dodgy sites. But, um,
0: yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about it. You used to run those websites, didn't you? <laughs> um, But now it turns out that you don't need to call the Microsoft hotline or uh, Google around for a Windows XP activation code because the algorithm has been cracked and there is now a key gen that works on Linux. So after what? 22 years since the operating system came out, it is now really simple to activate new Windows XP installations without a crack or anything like that offline as well. So basically, someone has just reversed the way that Microsoft used to generate these codes back in the day.
1: Yeah, it's, this is really interesting. um Like, I don't think you can actually buy, I'm trying to look at the moment and see if you can actually buy a Windows XP license. And um, there no, definitely that doesn't seem to be anybody like from Microsoft selling them. But also, any of the support lines are kind of shut down. I know they tried to move a lot of people on off Windows XP. Um, I think the NHS hacking thing was quite a big, uh, <laughs> you know, shock for some people on it with the ransomware and stuff like that. But that was the
0: last update they did, wasn't it? The WannaCry patch they did for it. About yeah, a ago, yeah, I think. and that
1: that that kind of shocked a lot of people outside windows xp but in the developing world it's still quite used uh quite a lot i've i've been to um quite a few internet cafes and uh you know people still access it um using windows xp so this is quite interesting and it's a it's a trend as well that um you know cracking and uh making key gens as always been a, a kind of art and, you know, getting the algorithm cracked and replacing it with a key gen. You know, often you'd get ones where you put one code in and then it gen- regenerates a new code. Um, I can imagine that um, XP uh, activation algorithm was pretty tough if it's taken this long. And, you know, Microsoft would have invested heavily in in its kind of copy protection and, uh, well, we
0: did have um, Dave Plummer on, didn't we? From Dave's Garage, he used to work for Microsoft, and he mentioned that basically the he put Microsoft Bob some of the code in that, didn't he, into Windows XP yeah. activation to kind of bloat it a bit um, to make the file size, you know, too big to kind of pirate back then, I guess. Um, back in and, the dialogue up days.
1: Also, there was uh, another thing where there'd be a lot of people that had OEM codes um, that would be like retailers. So there'd be a lot of retailers that you know would package Windows XP with every single one of their machines but they would have like a do-everything code. You know, you'd be able to apply it, and those got leaked onto the internet for a while, and that was how people were activating it and kind of getting it to all work. Um, it's, 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 I guess that's not the serial, though, is it? It's the actual activation, and if that is something impossible to do um, with the servers not being there, you know, um, this, is, this is useful. And I don't know if I can say if it's piracy or not because... You know, you can't purchase it.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, technically it is, but it kind of falls under that abandonedware thing. I mean, there have been ways. I mean, you know, if you if you Google Windows XP serial number, one comes up straight away. You can put in just activate offline with that. You know, pretend you did it over the phone. Yeah, there's been ways to do it for like twenty odd years, but I think the fact that you can now generate you know fresh working codes yourself without having to kind of reuse all these ones that are all over the web. Is you know quite a handy little tool to have for. Cause I mean, Windows XP these days. It's definitely more in the the realm of retro enthusiasts, I guess. Where yeah, I mean, for only, sure.
1: Like it. I thought it would be around forever. It's it's such a big system. Um, I don't know if you've used Legacy Update as well, which is a really yeah really good uh piece of software that basically updates all the security on it because going online on that, you know, I wouldn't be doing my banking on uh, Windows XP. Um, yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, that is one thing the register are talking about. And they say on here, you know, whatever you do, don't go online with it. And they say the latest version of a web browser you can run there is Internet Explorer 8 or SeaMonkey that came out about a decade ago. Or there's Opera version my yeah, MyPal is actually, one that I've yeah, been using, yeah. I was going to say, there is a new kind of modern, you know, retro browser for XP called uh, MyPal that does work on there. And, you know, that's the thing. I mean, people are talking in the in the register article comments here, people saying, whatever you do, do not connect it to the internet. Make sure it's unplugged, you know, off your Wi-Fi and Ethernet before you go online. People always talk like the second you connect a, a 98 or a Windows XP machine to the internet, within seconds you're going to get hacked or get malware. Now, I've got to admit, I've, I've had mine online. And I haven't run into any issues in the last 10 years. <laughs> Your whole house goes, yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm like, yeah, you've just told player. everybody now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but this, I, mean, I don't use it regularly, but. but this,
1: this also reminds me of a really like, you know, you know I, I was involved in some of these older sites. Key gen generators were like magic, you know, uh, uh, just being able to put code in and then generate something new and, uh, you know, doing it through mathematical algorithms. Is, mm. uh, pretty amazing and um yeah back in the days we used to do it with lots of things um yeah i'm not i'm not going to talk anymore let's go on to the next stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah check the after hours yeah. podcast if you want to hear more about that um but yeah i mean it is it's still funny to me that windows xp is now kind of retro and abandoned you know like i said <laughs> vivid memories are queued up to get a new copy of that so uh yeah it is very cool you know there is something very nostalgic i mean back in the day people used to kind of rip the look of windows xp i remember people calling it you know the, the fisher price theme you know those kind of big bloaty blue and green blobby kind of windows and that bliss wallpaper but there is something very cozy about booting it up and looking at it again these days isn't there so uh it's definitely always gonna have a, a place on one of my retro systems at least so uh, i'll link up that article in the register if you want to read more about that now um i had to literally drag these guys virtually at least anyway <laughs> uh, off this game so we could start this week's podcast on time this is a game you might remember as a kid, and this has been recreated as a free web browser game that is possibly the most addictive browser game you've ever played. This is Screwball Scramble. You're going to be frustrated at this, weren't you, Joe?
2: This, I was getting incredibly frustrated with it because you guys were smoking me. You were getting well ahead of me. But I just want to say, you know, my entire life, not that I think about Screwball Scramble like every day or anything like that. I don't know why. I always thought it was Screwball Scramble. <laughs> scrabble is a very different scrabble is a very different game um but yeah i grew up with this game as well screwball scramble um for those who don't know it's it's a it's a kind of a board game slash toy it's like a mechanical toy isn't it where you've got to get a marble kind of magnetically based as well yeah 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 there's like a there's a timer on it and it's like you've got to move the. the little marble, it's by, like a pinball, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's like, like a pinball. ball bearing. Yeah, you got to move it from one side of the track to the other, but there's like obstacles in the way, and you've got to use magnets and move bridges, and you use the controls of like dials and buttons, don't you, um, to move the ball around? Uh, and it was a really, really frustrating game, and it, it came out in the seventies, and I think to this day you can still buy it in you know toy shops and stuff like that. But yeah, this has been completely recreated to be played in your web browser by a Redditor called Captain... Is it Captain E Pepper? Captain Pepper? And uh, yeah, I think it's fantastic. I was fully addicted to this, playing this earlier on. You know, you use your mouse to kind of like use all the t- different buttons and dials and stuff, but I was positively terrible at it. I could not get past the first bridge for a good five, ten minutes, and we were all t- talking uh, on audio before we started recording this, and you guys were like halfway around the board on your first
0: go.
1: You know, um, well, I, was, I was more of a fan of Mousetrap when I was a kid. Yeah. But, yeah um,
0: I don't think... We, we had this, but it, wasn't called, it was not called Run Yourself Ragged in the UK. Oh, this was game, it? Scrubble, Scrubble. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, it was an old bit in the 80s. But yeah, Mousetrap was great. That was a similar kind of concept, But wasn't I don't it? think but it's
1: as fun as this. Like, you yeah. know, just playing this again, it, it, it does seem more fun. And I love these kind of browser-based titles now. You know, you're getting emulators built in browsers. And uh, mm. it's, it's just really interesting that the browser's kind of becoming a platform.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it has been for a while. And I think that's the thing. Just It, it plays these kind of games really well. And, but I mean, they are productivity killers, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> the fact that we spent about 10 minutes on this oh, before yeah. we uh, yeah. started the podcast. So <laughs> I, I want to say if you've got any work to do this week, do not fire this up on your web browser or at work. Otherwise, it's going to be the rest of the afternoon gone. But yeah, very well done. So I'll link that up if you want to play it. It is completely free. Now, um, this is a legendary game on the Mac that is uh, back again for the PlayStation 5, the old school Macintosh shooter. Marathon Returns.
1: Yeah, so um, Marathon first was developed and published by Bungie. And, um, mm. you know, Bungie are famous for Halo. And uh, it was came out in 1994 for the Mac. and
0: uh, it, it was basically the Mac's version of, like, Doom or something, wasn't it? It was that big at the time.
1: Yeah, and also it was probably the best game you could get on the Pippin, which was <laughs> um,
0: short-lived. Oh dear, I, forgot it, I forgot it
1: came out on that. Yeah, yeah, which was uh, the, the short-lived kind of uh, console that, that, that Mac released um yeah it is it's a really cool game and um this looks like they're kind of continuing the story in a in a fps way so like bungie they've been really good uh with marathon they've put it out and they've released all the assets and uh everything for the game trilogy is freeware so they've mm. also released you know um uh, marathon 2's code out there and everything so they've kind of it's not a remaster or it's not a remake. It's like a, a reimagining and trying to get people into this uh, world. I've had on and off stuff with this. So like, um, I was a huge Syndicate fan, and they did this whole Syndicate FPS, and I played it, and I was just it didn't feel like it was relative or related to the mm. old game at all. You know, it had a few elements in there, and uh, it was kind of like they were slapping a name on something, but. Um, Marathon, I think, is is one of those games that, you know, like they've done so many Halo titles, haven't they? They've they've totally hammered Halo. I think Marathon could work quite well. And interestingly, this seems to be um, a, a kind of world building game. So Yeah, it
0: hasn't got the single player campaign, apparently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's so so there.
1: there's a lot of these kind of world building and base building games that are becoming the trend at the moment where you're kind of given a a space or a map or a planet and you kind of, you know, develop it how you want. So it's going to be interesting to see if there's like crafting features in there. Um, you know, ways to like upgrade your base and play it as multiplayer. But I think this is also going to survive on the fact that, um, you know, the, the online area is populated and Mm. games like this, they're good, but the online community kind of doesn't take to it. You know, they just get a bit abandoned and, uh, yeah, it does look interesting, however, because there's all these islands, there's ships out in space, there's a, a different approach. So I think, I think this could bring it to a new audience, um, the the whole world of Marathon.
0: Graphically as well, I think it's quite interesting. There's kind of a, if you watch the, the announcement trailer, that's only like a minute 38. Um, no release date or anything as yet. But it's quite an interesting mixture of graphical styles. I mean, in, in some ways it reminds me a bit of something like Mirror's Edge, Yes, but then in yeah, other ways, good, good yeah, you've comparison. got kind of a lot of kind of old school kind of BBS style graphics as well, haven't you, in there too? Yeah, it's got a
1: lot um, of like retro influence and a lot of the colours are really bright and there's a yeah. a kind of a, a, a big space theme in there. I think, I think it's really interesting. And of course, it, I don't see anything that's relevant to the old graphics, but the old graphics yeah. were very like
0: primitive yeah, so interesting to see uh, that brand getting resurrected again. So we'll uh, we'll wait and see what that's like. Um, we'll keep an eye on that if you want to check out the trailer. I'll put that and all the rest of the stories. You don't have to Google around. I save you that effort every week. Just check the podcast app on your show notes or head to our website at theretrohour.com. Right then, this week's special guest catching up with DJ Slopes from Slopes Game Room. Bit of a catch up with him and also talking about the Intellivision Amico in just a minute. Now, before we do that... Let's give a massive thank you to uh, an incredible sponsor of this podcast. We're very pleased to see our good mates at Retro Gamer magazine, back sponsoring this episode of the Retro Hour. Now, of course, Retro Gamer, if you listen to our podcast and you enjoy the kind of content we do, you need to be reading Retro Gamer magazine every month. A
2: hundred percent. I absolutely love Retro Gamer. I've been buying it every month recently for the last couple of months because they've been covering some really, really, really awesome stuff stuff that I absolutely love. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles history of issue a couple of months ago. um, And then there was actually an Amiga issue, which has been quite enlightening for me and has helped me write a few questions for this month's uh, After Hours, as well as uh, one that I took on holiday with me only about three weeks ago. Um, They did a really in-depth history of Tomb Raider which I really really enjoyed, but this month's um, issue is their Legend of Zelda
0: special, which I'm really really excited for. Yeah, and obviously with the new Zelda game coming out, I mean it's uh, you know very timely as well. Oh, yeah, and there's a massive fourteen page feature. And, you know, they kind of go way into the history of Hyrule, everything <clears> about <throat> Zelda, those original games as well. Um, and, you know, really breaking down everything from the you know, the iconic bosses, the gorgeous music, all the inhabitants that you find in the, the worlds as well. So if you're a fan of Zelda, a must read this issue. And also they talked to uh, Gary Bracey from uh, Ocean Software as well. Um, Talking about his time at Ocean, looking back on all those massive games from Batman to Whizball to Street Hawk and Knight Rider. And uh, the Ultimate Guides they do as well. They're going to be looking at Gunsmoke, Capcom's Rootin' Tootin' follow-up to Commando and Bonanza Brothers. um, Sega's uh, sneak-based beast arcade gem from back in the day. There's also a little feature in here on the PlayStation 2 Slim. And uh, Atari UK, the untold story as well. Because, I mean, we did an episode with Daryl Still from Atari. A couple of years ago now, and it's always interesting to kind of hear these perspectives from uh, different sides of the ponds. I mean, you know, we've read Nolan Bushnell's story quite a lot, but hearing about Atari here in the UK was a really interesting read. And there's also a, uh, a special feature on, it is so bad, the Power Glove. I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> You know the power gloves is so bad. I do, yeah. (laughs) A great feature, though. (laughs) So that's all happening in this month's edition of Retro Gamer Magazine. And, you know, we get you some incredible offers if you support our sponsors. And check this out, what you can get. If you take up our offer and subscribe to Retro Gamer Magazine, you will get a special bundle full of goodies, including, how cool does this look, a Space Invader's plug-and-play controller. You'll be looking at this, revy
1: Yeah, this looks, looks really cool. You just plug it into your TV and you've got some mini-games on there as well. And it's like a little dedicated unit. You know, take it around your friend's house. Yeah, it, it looks really nice. A, a good little addition. And
0: also you get um, some of their... Incredible special editions of Retro Gamer magazine. These bookazines that they do, including at uh, 100 games to play before you die, uh, the Retro Hardware Guide, which uh, you know basically covers all the classic consoles in here as well. The ultimate guide to retro hardware, and uh, I love this one as well. This is the 200th special collectors edition of Retro That's Gamer a magazine. That's a really as good well. one
1: as well. I've got that myself. Fantastic issue. Yeah.
0: So much in there. So you get all three of those special editions. You'll get the Space Invaders plug-and-play controller as well. So really, you need to take up this offer as well. And of course, you'll get Retro Gamer magazine delivered through your door and a digital copy of the magazine too, so you can read it on your iPad or your phone. So all you have to do if you want to subscribe today and take advantage of this incredible offer and be quick, because we always get people contacting us in like a month or two going... I want to take up this offer. Is it still on? We're like, no, no, you need to take advantage of this when it comes out. So head to magazinesdirect.com slash Now, if you use that link, download that we sent you along. It helps us out as well. And maybe you're already subscribed to Retro Gamer. You can gift the mag to someone else and keep the gift for yourself. So you get six months of Retro Gamer magazine, Space Invaders, plug-and-play controller, four special editions, completely free included as well. Head to magazinesdirect.com slash retropod. And a massive thank you to our good mates at Retro Gamer magazine for their support of our show. Now, even though we are into June now, we're going to be doing the May patrons hang out this Sunday. Get your head around that.
2: Get your head around <laughs> that one. Yeah kind, kind, yeah, kind of my fault. I got stuck at work.
0: And mine. Haven't.
2: And, uh, you know, Dan didn't realise how late he was going to get back from Poland. So we did reach out to the Discord and thankfully everybody forgave us. We are going to be doing this <laughs> the last month's patron hangout on June the 4th. But And we are it's going summer. to do two. So uh, we promise yeah. we will do another one in June as well. But yeah, really, really, really looking forward to that. Might show off a chicken nugget Tetris. Uh, if I can get my hands on one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We've got like three days to get on the one then. Um, so we're going to be doing that. Basically, we'll invite all our patrons on. We'll just geek out. It's going to be happening this Sunday night, so if you want to join us for that. Uh, all patrons are welcome, so a very good time to sign up. And also, if you uh, join us as a gold tier member or above, you will get uh, a download link to uh, 35 episodes of our bonus podcast, which is The Retro Hour After Hours. And uh, the latest episode is a Mastermind special. This is where we really quiz and grill each other isn't it yeah
2: we uh we, we missed the christmas quiz but um no i came up with the idea of this kind of like ordering a specialist subject and then answering you know 25 questions on that specialist you subject. remember
0: mastermind on tv it's still going in at this that's the one that's <laughs>
3: copyright yeah. Quiz, quiz. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah some really really uh interesting results and uh it was it was a real giggle it was Proper fun one that was, and uh, we did all poke fun at each other. I won't say much more, but yeah, really, 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 really outstanding questions on that. Some real tough ones as well, and some real funny ones, wasn't there? Yeah, and, so, yeah, and like backing us on Patreon is just fantastic,
1: it helps us run the show, but also you get all that extra content. Um, you also get a mention in the Hall of Fame as well with my awful singing, and you get <laughs> um, exclusive access to our Discord server as well. So, there's some rooms in there just for backers where they have chats and, uh, you know, we discuss stuff about the show. It's, it's, it's really awesome and I just kind of love the community behind it and uh, thank you everybody for supporting the show.
0: And also you get a, an extra 10, 15 minutes of news just for our patrons there that we do every get, week yeah. and we be doing that in just a minute as well. But uh, let's hear Ravi's lovely singing and welcome our latest patrons this week into the Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame! <laughs> and I'll let you guys induct our two new members this week into the Hall of Fame. Take it away, Joe. Uh, Andreas Sunner and kev sanders thank you so much for your support and if you'd like to join our incredible retro hour patrons community all the details to sign up right now are on our website at the right then next talking about the intellivision amico and a catch-up with our good mate dj slopes from slopes game room next on the retro hour podcast You're listening to the Retro Hour podcast and it is time to welcome on this week's very special guest and it's someone who we are having a long overdue catch up with as we realised last time we had our guest on this week was five years ago now and a hell of a lot has happened not only in the world but also in terms of retro gaming, YouTube and lots more as well. So let's welcome on Daniel Ibbotson, also known as of course as Slopes Game Room. How you doing Dan? I'm very well, thank you for having me on. Five <laughs> years, that's a long time. Yeah five years. That is nuts. Completely different world now in many ways yeah. compared to what it was about that, Oh, absolutely. That, it? <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> well, of course, I mean, your YouTube channel, you know, goes from strength to strength all the time. Oh. And uh, obviously, we need to talk about this massive Intellivision Amico video <laughs> that you did <laughs> yes. a couple of months ago. But I've just been seeing it everywhere. And I mean, let's start with a bit of a catch-up, really, though. Yeah, because, sure. I mean, Since we last spoke, I mean, you're on 166,000 subscribers on your YouTube channel now. Right. And... That's huge. mean, how's that journey been then over the last like half a decade?
3: Uh, oh, wow, five years. That's that's pretty insane. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's been good. It's been good. I mean, I've obviously still enjoying it. I'm still doing it. Um, I'm always trying to uh, push the, the, the way I make my videos uh, and, and you know how I edit them and all that sort of stuff, which slows that de- slows it down. But I think the end result is better now. Um, so you know, I think I've. It's just crazy thinking back from five years. You know, I, I'm just always trying to push forward, and I think I'm doing that.
2: Yeah, I I I think it's great to see you grow. I remember, you know, about five six years ago, discovering you in the gym of all places, and uh, I was watching your videos about the Disney VHSs. I don't know if you uh, if you remember yeah, those yeah. those early videos, and really enjoying it. So I'm really pleased to see how well you're doing. And, like, you know, I, hang on a minute, you discovered me in a gym. Yeah, in the gym of all places. I I was I was in the gym. And I saw right, and I saw I was watching YouTube while I was like running. And then I right. Just I thought me and
3: you bumped into each other in a gym. And I'm like, man, that, that is seriously <laughs> infrequent. <laughs> I don't go to that very often. <laughs> Okay, no, no, okay. no, no.
2: <laughs> we'll have to keep that bit in. But um, our next question is, um, yeah. what challenges have you faced then while growing your channel, you know, and how have you overcome them?
3: Uh, probably just more like trying to keep the, the, the balance of uh, family life and, uh, you know, work life. I suppose last time we spoke, I was pretty much still in in, in a full time job and doing YouTube on the side. Mm. And at that time, I was literally working 9 to 5 or whatever the hours were and then doing that same amount again and going to bed at like 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, which I don't suggest people do because I I made myself very ill, just constantly pushing myself so, so hard to to constantly meet that deadline for myself to get a video out every week. And when you quit and now you've suddenly just got a whole extra – eight hours or whatever it is per day it, it takes a long time to sign get that balance of like no you don't need to do that amount anymore and you know you you you've got to try and get that that nice focus uh between the two um and uh yeah i mean obviously as the as my kids get older they they, they need a lot more attention as they get older and you're playing a lot more games with them and doing whatever else So it's just, i think it's just that work life balance trying to find that good that good middle ground
0: do you kind of feel sometimes like the um, YouTube algorithms kind of your boss now? Sometimes,
3: yeah, to a degree. I mean, I've always been very lucky in my in the way I create my videos. Um, if we want to get technical with like monetization or whatever else mm. like that, I've always been very lucky in the sense that my videos are very evergreen. And when I say that, is like in my top ten videos of every month, I'll still always have videos that I created four or five years ago, mm. and you know if i was doing like you know the latest review on a call of duty or whatever the game may be it would do very popular for like a few days and then it's just dead in the water after that where my videos i've just i'm just constantly adding to the pile of videos that are evergreen that that's that's the content i've always made so i've never had to chase what's popular right now to to please the algorithm i just keep adding to the pile uh, of my own content and um in that in that regard i've not had to f- to chase the algorithm too much. Um, you know, from time to time, you know, for instance, right now I'm looking at doing an Evil Dead uh, complete history where I look at the creation of the movies and, the, mm-hmm. and you know, of its comics and its video games. So, I mean, obviously I'm going to aim to do that now because obviously there's a new Evil Dead movie. But for the most part, I tend to just do what I fancy. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And people could still watch that video in five years and it'd still be interesting. Exactly.
3: Ran, yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, in terms of, you know, making your videos, has that process kind of changed much in the last like five years or so then? And like, you know, the, the process of doing it and deciding on the topics and the production?
3: Um, not not so much the topics. So I'll just do whatever I fancy. You know, sometimes I, I get so many suggestions I can never keep up. Um, so, I mean, it's getting harder to do kick scammer episodes these days because, you know, the they took the money and they ran away. I mean... it it happens all the time even to this day and it's just i I hate to be that guy but it's not an interesting story anymore i've I've told that story so many times i've now got to find far more interesting complex kick scammer stories so they are a bit more complex because you have to find the really interesting stuff so they're a bit more infrequent but i think they're better now for the most part and in regards to the complete history videos which i take a hell of a lot longer uh uh, to create that they're harder to make now because i do i do different things for instance i show myself on camera a lot more and obviously editing that together with the stuff that's off camera takes longer and getting all the lighting set up and i've got all of these curtains and everything i put up to to block sound in the uh, uh game room which then turns into a studio and doing all these different things um you know, it, it, it makes the process longer. But like I said, I think the, 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 the end result is just so much better for it. I, get, I look back at videos I made even five years ago and they're a little bit cringy for me to go back and watch, but I'm sure that's the same of everyone.
0: Mostly, like you said, the, you know, Kick Scammers, you're still doing that series as well. I mean, mm-hmm. for people that maybe haven't checked any of those out, give us a bit of kind of background on what Kick Scammers is and maybe some of the the highlights that you've you've covered over the last like five years or so.
3: Okay, yeah. So basically Kick Scammers started off as an accident. Um, I was always trying to find new interesting topics and I, I always do videos of things that I'm interested in personally. Kickstarter, uh crowdfunding websites. That's always something I've been fascinated in. And I created um I think it was like a top ten games that you're never going to get to play. Like really good looking games. Ones that like almost hit their target but didn't. Um, and I did that and it just did really well. And I'm like, okay, let's let's see what else I can do. And then obviously the scam started coming in and it, it did really well and I just found it so uh, intoxicating to do that sort of content. I, I look at it personally as my junk food content. After working on Pac Man the Complete History or Castlevania Complete History, whatever that may be, my life just becomes a- obsessed with that franchise. Yeah. Um and I need something a bit junk foody just to sort of reset myself before I work on another one. Um and uh yeah, I mean kick scammers. So I look at not just scams these days, but also interesting stories based around Kickstarters. But um I mean obviously the big one which i think my best video i've ever created was the amico scandal video which i released earlier this year which took me four months to create that was really really hardcore i mean i i've, I've done well over 100 kick scammer videos and wow. the majority of them are like top five or top 10 sort of videos so i mean there there are literally hundreds and hundreds to choose from uh, I, I i do prefer to make ones that are based on gaming and and, mm. and video consoles and stuff like that because i think I think they work that way. I yeah. think they, that that pleases everyone. Then,
2: yeah, absolutely, and it keeps and it keeps it relevant to the kind of like the original channel as well. I guess, doesn't it? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, exactly. Focused. So you, you've touched on you know kind of like trying to find a fresh kick scammers and it not being the same story and over and over again. Yeah, how, yeah. How do you kind of like pick that up and research it? How do you go like right? I'm going to do a video on that one. Do you have to kind of go through troll the internet and kind of find something? Oh yeah, attraction? yeah, for sure. Or do you just I kind mean, of s- see it in forums that you're in and stuff?
3: Yeah, I mean it so there's so many different places. I've got my own Discord where people like to share uh Kick, yeah. scammer news, good and bad. I've got yeah. uh there's obviously places like um the I don't know if I can say the word but the something kickstarters on Reddit. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bad word, at kickstarters, <laughs> I don't know if I can swear on this. But um uh, there's a place there. Uh I also do uh Kick, scammer news where I just find the interesting good and bad stories um based on all different things of Kickstarter, Indiegogo, all that sort of stuff and um every so often i'll come across something I'm like, whoa that's interesting and then i'll just go mm-hmm. hard for my research um and that's exactly what my next uh, kick scam is all about um it's one that i i picked up as an interesting news story and now i'm like wow i need to turn that into a full video that that's something that there's a lot more meat to that bone you know and that's all about um I'll give you a quick brief history on this one so Uh, there's a Nintendo Switch and and PlayStation 4 game called The Outbound Ghost. And by the time this comes out, that video should be released as well. But the idea of it is it it was so heavily badly ported due to the popularity they got on Kickstarter by a new publisher, uh, by, by a publisher called Digerati, that by the time it came out, it was just, completely unplayable it was an RPG I mean every time you had to fight someone you can imagine pretty much all the time It was like a 14 second load it oh, was wow. just it was absolutely horrendous to the point where the developer had to DMCA his own game to try and stop people buying his own game to try and get all of this cleared up so you can go and buy a game right now that you can't buy digitally on Steam, uh, mm. Switch, PlayStation Market all that sort of thing because of what happened on Kickstarter so there's another example of they didn't take the money and run. This is just a really good in well not good, it's a bad, but it's an interesting story to to document.
2: That's fantastic. So, has any of mm. them ever t- reached out to you? You know, you kind of <laughs> you do a kick scammers video and then you know, they reach out and they you know kind of maybe have a go at you or even kind of try and say their side of things. Has that ever happened at all?
3: It it rarely happens. But yeah, it does happen. <laughs> I never forget. I, I So I used to be a lot more harsh and I think I'm a bit more professional these days. But one of my earlier videos, I think I may have even done this one before we last spoke, but I did a video and I, <laughs> I think I called it... Um, the Kickstarter scum that ran away with your money seven times so far. Yeah. <laughs> so that didn't sound too good. But the idea of it was it was this guy that he would do a Kickstarter, he would run out of money. So to try and make more money for that one, he would do a new Kickstarter for a new thing and then try and, oh, the extra money I get for that will bang. And he just kept going seven times and he never fulfilled any of his Kickstarters. So I did this whole big video. And I remember it was I think it was the first realization that, you know, I'm actually a bit more notable now online. I remember looking over at my wife who was helping me just collect this information together. And I said, Do you think this guy will actually see this video? Like, will he? I don't know. And then I remember it was like a day, maybe two days later, he became a Patreon of mine. Ooh. And I'm like, Ooh, I don't know how to feel about this. At first yeah. I was like, ah, oh, who cares? But then I'm like, actually, no, he's given me money that he's I mean some some people would say robbed Uh, i tried to reach out to him he didn't reply i refunded him and we've never spoken since um that there was that was one example but it was really really quite odd i had a lot of people get in contact with me over the um uh, the vega plus video i made uh, many moons ago to the point where the video almost got taken down but i managed to keep it up uh i've had uh, i did one uh where i said that this guy was stealing assets from another game and he tried to take the video down i'm like well, but you are doing this and they, mm. they left it you know um do you have to argue that with youtube then how
0: does that kind of work uh
3: in that instance yeah i had to argue that with youtube um basically when i say argue it with youtube they sent in a request and then youtube have to look at that and then they didn't see anything wrong with it and that was just the end i didn't have to do anything but in other instances, yeah, you would have to then put your case forward, Um luckily enough I've never had to do.
0: Well, I do know that you have been reached out by the person behind uh, one of your biggest videos recently, which um, I think we should get into this because yeah. uh, we've been covering the Intellivision Amico on this podcast, you know, over the last, God, I think it's what, two or three years now since mm-hmm. it first got announced. And obviously it, it's an ever-developing story, but I think if anyone wants to get a really good overview of exactly what this is about, you've done by far the most in-depth deep dive into this, a video that's four hours long going into every aspect of the Intellivision Amico scandal. So tell us how this kind of got on your radar. Did you set out to make an episode that long?
3: No, not in the slightest. I had no idea how long that video was going to take. It was was outrageous. So basically, uh, this is an interesting one, not just because, you know, it's the longest video I've made and blah, blah, blah. But this was the one that this was the scam, if you want to call it that, which most people do by this point that got me i got fooled by this so i had Mm. my own personal um uh uh, 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 vendetta on this bad boy Mm. so i mean i've always been fascinated with the history of gaming so obviously a new console that's coming out from from in television which is really exciting to me even i don't really have any history on it i just found it exciting and i like the concept of it and the person behind the whole thing tommy tallarico to me was if you look at like video game legends maybe the first name i ever heard of like up there with like david perry and stuff like that like I went to a a school, I think I mentioned this on the last podcast, but I think I went to a school of like 70 children in the entire school and there was only like 10 people in my year and I don't think anyone within the year, uh, in mine, a year above or year below, had a Nintendo. So I'm not even sure I knew it existed, a Nintendo back when I was a kid, but everyone had Segas and everyone was loving Aladdin and Earthworm Jim and stuff like this. So I I remember i pick up magazines and I was just so laser focused on Sega, Sega, Sega that I remember seeing Tommy Tallarico so when I finally got to speak to him and stuff like that, I, 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 I gushed, I was like, Oh my God, here he is. This is the guy like, you know, um, really, really exciting stuff. It's that, 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 saying, don't ever meet your heroes, um, comes <laughs> into play though, because unfortunately, um, yeah, he was, um, uh, he said what he needed to, to try and get this thing out. And every single time it was, it was, uh, pretty much a lie. <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> So um, uh, it went as far as me interviewing him and him me him telling me these fibs or extending the truth, however you want to put it, directly to me, to my audience, and then that's when it became a bit more of a personal thing. I decided, right, let's set the record straight. Let's make this video. I made it. I was actually contacted by another company that wanted me to make a Boulder Dash Complete History video, which you are a voice in. Um, <laughs> you provided yes, a I voice <laughs> for. Um, and I was like, you know what? No, I need to have a break. Let's do this this Amico video. And it ended up being a four-month thing. It was the most research i've ever done for a video by a country mile it was i, I you know I, I was losing sleep over it i was dreaming about tommy tallarico and the amico like it was like my 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 life became in television amico and now i am i think I'm, I'm i'm officially obsessed with that system give give me one of those over uh, over an xbox any day <laughs> like, i'm so obsessed with it um i've not spoken to him since Many, everyone asked that. as, uh, as he reached out? <laughs> no, he hasn't. We have definitely stayed very quiet since that. But uh, yeah, he did make all the promises that he'll come to the UK and oh, I'll give you an Amico and you can play it with your kids and all this other stuff. And yeah, <sighs> I'm obsessed now. You know, the whole
0: thing to me is just fascinating mm-hmm. because obviously there's the, the whole kind of why behind it, which yeah. I still can't get my head around, obviously. And the fact that I, I don't know if you're the same, but I mean, I especially since I watched your video, mm. I actually do kind of want one now. Oh, <laughs> like, if they well. release that, I'd probably buy
3: one. Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> I know I've got like the, the whole YouTube thing to fall back on, and that's why it's interesting. But like at the same time, I'm so fascinated by this. Mm. So fascinated.
2: I, I mean, yeah, I'm I gutted, say- I'm gutted. I've
3: never played. I, I I almost got a flight recently to go play one. I was that obsessed. I know I know someone that has one and I almost oh, wow. flew to them to go to- <laughs> quite away <laughs> as well.
2: <laughs> I mean, our next question was going to be, were you a believer initially in it? You know, did, did you believe in the project? Mm-hmm. Were you excited for it to begin with? Like, I, I guess the whole thing, it's just so sad, I guess. You oh, know? it is.
3: It is big time. Since uh, that video has come out, I've been contacted by quite a few people and, um, uh, not not directly from in television, but like mm. from other people that were like, oh, we we were actually going to get paid to create a game for the Amico, and it just they never paid us. So here it is on Steam, and it's just now dead. And it's just like, well, this is so sad, everything about it. Uh, Yeah, I was 100% a believer. But back when it was originally announced, I mean, it was like £150 or something like that, or $150 to that equivalent, Um, something around that mark. And I'm like, for that, I'm still, if that system still came out, and it had what it, you know, those initial games for 150 odd quid, yeah. I I would still believe in it. But unfortunately, over time, you know, the price has gone up, those... I mean, there was 157 games he teased for that, mm. which has got mm. to be the greatest video game launch of all time, surely. Mm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think the Switch launched with three games, didn't it? Yeah. Yes. I, was it N64? <laughs> I think it had two, two in the UK yeah. or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Pilot Wings yeah. Mario
3: 64. Yeah. Yeah, this was going to be coming out of 157 games or within the first year or something to that effect. He just constantly teased. Every time someone said, like, oh, I mean, there was absurd ones like Kool Aid Man. Oh, I used to love Kool Aid Man on the Intellivision funny you should mention that i'll leave it there. <laughs> like what does that mean what does that mean and it was just so much of that and um yeah the amount of research it was just i remember just scrolling and scrolling and every day you're like okay that's another 20 games to add to the list you know yeah it was uh, a <laughs> it was pretty hardcore
0: now it's interesting you mentioned that you, you know people who've actually got some because there are some working units out there in the wild there is are. that right
3: there are and these these do probably work they do And that was my interview. People always, you know, when people said like, this doesn't exist, it's a scam. And I'm like, but it obviously does exist because people have gone to events and played on it. So Mm. it can't be a scam. People have played on it. But, it. That's, that's the big question. What is it? You know, what is inside that unit? And that's the thing that no one knows. Um, I mean, well, we, we, we have a good understanding now. It's an old mobile phone chipset that's worth nothing. Mm. Um, but um, at the end of the day, these, these systems do exist. There are two YouTubers, two very small YouTubers that actually have test units. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So th- these things are out there. But um, I mean, I I I would love
0: one so much. I look forward to seeing the prices of those on eBay in like 10 years.
3: (laughs) Yeah. well, I mean, I I think there must be about between about 15 or 20 odd out there, unless they've made more since the um, days when they went around and showed them.
2: Well, they're taking pre-orders again on Amazon. Do you think it'll ever see the light of day?
3: No, 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 no. Within the last 24 hours, I don't know if this is going to be mentioned in your uh, podcast earlier on in the news section, but uh, they've just put out their first announcement. Um, their, 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 sorry, their first update uh, within the last—I think it's like nine months since they've done an update—and that's primarily yeah. telling people that these games are coming onto other systems. And you've also got Amico Home, which is basically their way of saying that these games are going to be coming onto mobile phones as well, which is stupid because that was the thing they used as marketing. You don't want to be on your mobile phone. Play on this. You know, people are so secluded Mm. on their mobile. And now they're coming out on mobile phones. And the version that I've very luckily been able to get a copy of is is for PC. And that's coming out for the Switch and the Xbox. And that's Shark Shark. Uh, And also Astro Smash is coming as well. And these were uh, the free packing games. And the sad thing about it is they're really good games. Well, I've only played Shark Shark, but it's a really good game. It sucks.
0: Yeah, you've actually just done a video about that, haven't you? Which will be out by the time we um, we release this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So give us kind of the lowdown on, on Amico Shark Shark then. What's what's it
3: like? Okay, so if you look at it the same way as Wii Sports, there's really not a lot of beef to me. Wii Sports, but it was a good party, fun like multiplayer game. It's the same with this. There's only 12 levels in Shark Shark. But as a multiplayer game, as long as you have people of the same level as you, you're going to have a great time playing Shark Shark. It's really good fun. But you wouldn't want to spend 350 quid to, to play it you know it's it's as its own game for a switch if it's like a tenner maybe i don't know how much it's going to be but if it's about a tenner it'd be good fun um for people out there that don't know it's kind of like feeding frenzy you control a sh- you control a little fish you have to mm. eat the fish that are smaller than you dodge the ones that are bigger than you and that's kind of it but obviously in multiplayer everyone's just trying to fight each other and there's a shark that comes in and annoys you and chases the one with the lowest score it's a good fun party game kind of like a mario party mini game but like one of the one of definitely one of the better ones
0: I mean, do you think there's actually space in the market for systems like the Amico and, you know, like the new Atari VCS as well? Because, I mean, you know, when they first were announced, I must admit I was a bit sceptical as to, like, who's going to buy these Mm -hmm. systems? I mean, but like you said, you know, 150 quid, I'd probably take a punt just in case. Yeah, You know, it's a bit of an impulse buy then. But do you think there's room for, like, you know, new consoles? No.
3: I mean, for people like me and you, yeah. like I'd love one because I just find it so fascinating and weird and I love collecting oddities. But no. No, I mean, the, the marketing was going to be going to like religious shops to try and tackle that sort of thing, because it's all family friendly stuff. Or it was going to go after mums and it was going to go after nannies and um uh, in nursing homes, It's kind of like how the Wii did. But the difference is the Wii's also got that, you know, the incredible library of Zelda and Mario games and God knows whatever else. And, and the Amiga just doesn't. It's got the fun party games. But I mean, who's going to spend 350 quid on that?
0: And also, it was strange as well because, I mean, they're really pushing that on, like, the couch gaming aspect of it, which don't get me wrong, you know, I'm a fan of couch gaming, but... There are plenty of games on the Switch, you know, you can sit down and play yeah. Mario Kart together on your couch. You know, oh, it's, it's not a unique
3: thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Me me and my kids play um play on the Switch all the time. Four players on, on like I say Mario Party, Mario Kart. Like Mario Kart is perfect. I've literally got a, a, a properly young daughter of five years old that can't control it at all. But you can add all these handicaps to help her out and then you can make it make it harder for the old, for the for the for you know for us the parents. It's the perfect game for a family. And yeah, I mean the Miko won't have anything to that level. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, when did Tommy first reach out to you then? Do you, were you quite surprised when he got into it?
3: Um I actually, uh, how, how, which way did it go? No, I reached out to him first. He'd, he'd seen my videos. I'd seen him comment a few times on my videos. And it was always mm. funny. If you say the name Tommy Talarico in a podcast, and I had a very small podcast at the time, like 30 people watched it maximum. <laughs> and we mentioned Tommy Talarico, and there he is in the comment section. Like, this is insane. <laughs> this is insane. The CEO of this company just keeps popping up. But uh, yeah, I reached out to him because they announced their, uh, you can't see me but the quotation marks are up here physical games which were these essentially uh sort of credit cards that you like tap onto your console and it downloads it so the game isn't there it's just it's a download and uh yeah i reached out to him like hey can i can i review these and uh that was the first time i had a bit of a you know communication with him and uh yeah it just went from there we, we spoke quite a bit after that but primarily about music and other things and, uh, I suppose looking back, I suppose he kind of groomed me a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I don't know if, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, sorry for the papers <laughs> yeah. and, um, yeah, it went from there. Uh, I interviewed him and that was, I was expecting it to be like an hour long, um, you know, about his history, another hour about the Amico turned into being like a four hour, five hour interview with him or whatever it was. And, uh. Yeah, it all just went downhill from there. Really, but- so I know
0: they hired some like really big names and stuff as well, didn't they on board? I mean, there are guys that work for Xbox and stuff, but I mean, people can watch your documentary, and yeah, 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 hear all about this. So th- the whole thing sounded very bizarre. I mean, what's kind of the. I mean, the state of the company now then, from what you know, is it kind of just completely done?
3: Yeah, I mean, pretty much. I mean, so basically my understanding is, or at least what they're, they're, they're saying is, if you look back at those videos of them doing the tours of their offices, which was yeah. so extravagant. I mean, I when I when I go up to see Sega, I remember the first time I got to see Sega, a tear rolled down my face. Oh my God, 10-year-old me, if only they could see me now. Like, And you walk in, you're like, oh, okay, it's kind of just offices. Um, but, it, you know then you look at what Amico are going on. And this is amazing. This is like going to Google or something, the amount of effort they went into. And yet, like, why did they do that for a system that's just, it's not even out yet. This is a company that's only burning money. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Tommy has gone into complete hiding now uh phil adam has taken over as ceo and phil adam was actually part of the coleco chameleon that got more recently uh discovered near the end of my video just, sh- mm. just shows you how crazy that is um it's essentially a skeleton crew of people now you're not going to be able to get your refunds the amount of money that you've put down for deposits like like myself hundred dollars for the um for sort of like a pre-order that's gone D- don't expect that back mm. anytime soon and uh yeah you get like about one update a year at most and it, 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 nothing is happening. Just constantly this like, oh yeah, we're, we're trying, we're trying to get it done, but there is was only about three of us in the office these days. That, that That's all there is. And then apparently they're not getting paid, but I mean, who knows by this point. It's quite
0: sad though, because I think in many ways it kind of, it does damage to the scene, doesn't it? Cause it puts people off backing similar projects in the future.
3: Oh, for sure. And it's really, really sad. The one bad thing about the Kick Scammer series is I get comments constantly, people saying, oh, I'm, a, I'm so glad I watch your videos. I'm never going to back anything on Kickstarter. i went, oh, no, no, no. Like, mm. there is some fantastic, fantastic games, um, and especially games. But, like, I'm a big fan of board games. I back a lot of board games on Kickstarter. Like, even the ones that end up coming out and they're not that good of a product, it's still fascinating to go along that journey with them. Um, mm. I, I, I'm a big a, a supporter of Kickstarter. They just they just need to sort out their um, uh, looking after the, 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 the backers a bit more. You know, making sure yeah. they actually know who these people are. They, they are getting better at it, but.
2: It, it's sad and I've got our headline there for this episode DJ Slopes groomed by Tommy Tallarico um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah we mentioned your complete history videos earlier on which you know they're my yeah. favourite videos by you I absolutely love them and
3: they take they're, they're such my favourites too
2: yeah they take such a deep dive into the history and you know of a specific game series I think your first ever one was Streets of Rage which I absolutely love mm-hmm. um, you cover a lot of Sega but it's not just Sega it's, it's all sorts of franchises and stuff What's your favourite series been to cover so far and why? You know, you said you've become a bit obsessed with them for a few months after that.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I was really happy with Castlevania, the complete mm. history. I was really, really happy with that. And um, I know I did well with that, not to blow my own trumpet, but like, I know I did well with that because Konami uh, reached out, Oh wow. Frankly- Making it, and then now I've worked with them uh, oh, several times. Um, in fact, they gave me the greatest sponsorship ever. They said, "Can you take out the sections where you talked about um, the the uh, uh, Game Boy Advance ones? Put them in another video as well, and then we'll, you know, sponsor you for that." I'm like, okay. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> Um, you know, they contact me when they've got new Turtles games coming out. Every so often, I'll get a message from, uh, from a company saying, oh, we're making a Castlevania version of Dead Cells, and we've been told to speak to you. So I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. It's kind of like when Sega first contacted me. So now I'm like, I know Konami quite well. Um, that's definitely up there. Uh, Boulder Dash was one of my favorites. I know I've only just made that one, but the fact that I got to speak to the original programmer, the developer, um sorry the two original developers the original publisher and the new publisher and put it all together i was like well that's mm. that's freaking awesome really really happy of that yeah i mean there, there, there's so many pac-man i was really really proud of um and and again i had people from uh, uh, that working on pac-man historic books and stuff reach out and uh, i'm actually uh, working on a blu-ray now of my my best sega based oh, nice. one with uh, documentaries, uh, sorry, with with commentaries from other YouTubers and myself and stuff, but um, that's still early days.
0: I mean, you know, talking about how you put those together, I mean, recently I've gone through a bit of an obsession of, going into you know retro gaming markets and retro gaming shops and buying old magazines i'm on a bit of a (laughs) mission at the moment not only to buy like all the magazines my mum threw out like 10 years ago but also um i'm picking up like old old issues of edge magazine i'm really into those from the 90s right now i mean what kind of resources do you use to put those together
3: oh yeah well magazines is fantastic straight away um there's quite a few different places you can go i mean people will also say you know never go to wikipedia but i tell you what i've actually discovered things through wikipedia at the end of my research i remember i went where was it went to one of them and i went on wikipedia and i said i went what what's this game i've never heard of and then you end up going down another path and the, the good thing about mm. it is they've obviously got, so got the resources at the bottom and as long as you check that and you don't just copy from that then you know i don't think it's a bad resource um but yeah retro gamer magazines actual retro gaming magazines the internet archive interviews if you can find them and if not actually going to reach out to the people themselves that you're always going to get your best content if you can if you can if you are able to reach out to the uh, developers yourself which yeah. is so much easier than, than people, than, than you would expect. Yeah. Just, just type in their name in. Like, oh, look, well, there's their Facebook. Hello, can I speak? Yep, there it is. Boom. And it's just, it, a lot of the time it is that simple. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it goes it goes very deep. I've got quite a few Google Drives full of different magazines and stuff like that where I can resource and go back to in case they ever go missing on Internet Archive. So yeah, there you go. You're giving away our secrets there as well. Now,
2: <laughs> you just reach out. Just say, <laughs> "Do
3: you want to come on?"
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's like you know, often yeah, like, really, that person said yes. Okay, great. You know, yeah. It's, yeah, people are often interested to talk about what they've worked on. I, I think you're
3: fine. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, for the most part, people are proud. You know, of what they've done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 there's only there's only been a couple of instances where people are like, and it's normally when I've spoken to a, tried to reach out to a couple of Japanese developers. I know once I, I forget his name now, but the creator of Power Stone. I tried to reach out and said, "Look, hey, can I interview you?" And, t- and talk about Power Stone because I want to do a Power Stone complete history. He just will not talk. You have to mm. go through all of the, uh, the, the the correct means of speaking to mm. who is it? It's Capcom, I think it is. Yeah. I'm um, like, yeah. okay. I mean, it, and, and, it, and then it doesn't go anywhere. But it, re- it only rarely happens.
0: Yeah, I've been trying to get someone on this podcast to talk about Rise of the Robots for the last five years. Right. Well, no one's
3: getting back to me about that one. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Didn't it wasn't? I wasn't a part of it. Please, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Never heard> <laughs> <of> <laughs> Games game. got it wrong. I was never involved. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so, um, what
3: other channels have you been checking out recently?
2: You know, other YouTubers you could recommend?
3: Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I'm really bad of names. I have to look back through. Uh, I mean, but I, I remember when I went full time as a YouTuber that or not even full time but when i started trying to promote my own stuff that's when you start finding the smaller channels uh you know you always, you always have your angry video game nerds and your metal jesuses like at the top that they're the ones that are going to get promoted the most they they do the, the best with the algorithm and stuff like that but when you start discovering the smaller channels uh that for the most part tend to stay small because they're so obsessed with one particular subject they they are sometimes and more often than not actually the ones I, I i tend to gravitate towards there was a couple that I shouted out recently. Someone's just done a huge uh, Jet Set Radio documentary. Uh, so it's the Masterpieces series. K is <laughs> they, a uh, very small channel. We're talking 3.1k uh, subscribers. They've just recently done, a, uh, I think it's like an hour and a half. Yeah, an hour and a half documentary on Jet Set Radio Future, all about how impactful that game was. And I was like, I think that's so fascinating. The amount of effort these people go into on one game. It just shows, because they've got so much passion on that one game. You're going to find way more information out on a tiny channel like that than you would on a big channel that covers it. Um, also, uh, the, the Haynes the Hansen Zero One, uh, done a video all about drum and bass music in in video games and the and the rise of drum and bass music all the way from the Ridge Racer days and up. Um, I found that absolutely fascinating. There's a couple of good suggestions for you. Yeah, Kutsky, uh, the, the the famous DJ Kutsky, he's got his own uh, retro gaming channel now as well. <laughs> I'm checking him out quite awesome. a bit. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a few suggestions for you.
0: Yeah, I mean, you've actually done some videos, haven't you, like recommending YouTubers that have gotten under 5K subs. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. I've done a few of those in the past. and uh, I, I found a few great ones through your videos on that, which, you know, definitely worth checking out. Oh,
3: yeah, it's a great thing to do. It's, it, you've always got to spread the love. I, I do it now via my social medias uh, because then I can get a lot more out more frequently throughout the year. Uh, because, I mean, mm. those videos, you know, they, they, they don't do well for the algorithm and stuff like that, but I still want to be able to promote these smaller channels. So, yeah, I do it via social medias and the... Uh, Uh, the YouTube community tab.
0: In terms of you know gaming and your console collection I mean Mm. has that kind of changed in the last five years or so are you you still much of an active collector
3: have you got any new additions? Um, Yeah I mean my my favorite system is the Mega Drive I get games for it quite infrequently in all honesty because I mean they are just Mm. shooting up in price Mm. games that I mean uh, Sonic and Knuckles like my all-time favorite game I mean that was 60 pounds on Japanese import and now it's like closer to 200 and that was only in the space of a few years it, crazy, it, it's crazy it? it's absolutely uh, uh, ridiculous I mean I'm for the most part I'm playing indie games um uh mm. for like the switch and stuff like that I've got I've got a stupid switch collection close to 200 physical games most of them are the collector sets, so they're like stupidly big and you've got that tiny little cartridge inside the huge box um <laughs> but uh yeah I mean that that's I don't collect as much as I used to because for the most part I just need to when I'm getting the footage, I I, 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 I mean, I I will rom it for the most part, in all honesty. I know it's probably yeah. blasphemous, but it is. That's how, that's how it goes.
0: Looks a lot easier on, you know, easier to capture and looks nicer on screen as exactly, well. Way, exactly.
2: So what advice would you give to somebody who's interested in starting a retro game collection in 2023, other than don't? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, be rich.
3: <laughs> I, I don't think there is really. I mean, mm. I, mean I mean, I was going to say, yeah, just don't. Yeah. But what I will say is, when I sold all of my Mega Drive games, but basically I sold all my Mega Drive games as a kid to get mm. a Dreamcast, which I was always yeah. gutted about because I probably, I probably sold 50 games for 50 quid um, yeah. to get that Dreamcast. And I probably spent that on controllers or something or VMUs. Um, and then I just started going crazy, just buying anything I could from boot fairs. And then I didn't know yeah. what I had. So now I just buy games I want or I mm. need for a video. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, I'm a lot more connected to my collection, I know everything that I have. You know, there's no like, oh, I need to look and see if I've got that game. I know, I've got a smaller, but I've got a way more refined and loving collection. So yeah. I'd say, if you want to collect, just get the games you want to get, and uh, just, just, just go from there.
0: Yeah, I get what you're saying. So I, I went through a process of just literally every time I saw like PlayStation Two games, were you know, they're still quite cheap, but they were dirt cheap like a decade ago. Mm. And I go into like that's entertainment and our local video games retro shop that we had in town in nottingham and i just buy the shelf full of ps2 games yeah hadn't heard of half of them i'm like just to have them because of two or three quid but now half of them are like in in my shed or in the attic and you don't even ever pull them out that it's taking up room
3: yeah yeah exactly and, and it's good for people out there to actually play the games that you know they want to play i mean I, I remember when mvc was going down and they had with their dreamcast games for a pound each i bought every single game i didn't have and i yeah. guarantee you some of those games to this day well, 20, de- 20 years later, something like that, I still have not played. It's just because I, I'm not interested in football games or I'm not interested in whatever the game may be, but I just had to have it for my collection. And it's such a, it, it, it's not the way to go about collecting, in my opinion. It's, yeah, it's nice to have another blue spine on your wall, but at least, but yeah, nowadays I just buy the games I want.
2: It's interesting. I think the entire, most of the community seems to be going that way now. You know, mm-hmm. there, there was definitely that stage. And I'm, I'm same as you. I used to go to the car boot sales and just buy everything buy everything just to have it on the shelves and now i've boxed all of it up i've not sold it but i've boxed 99 of my collection up because of my daughter came along and everything and it's had to all go in the attic and now i just have my mega drive collection out and i will buy a game every couple of months that i want to play for the mega drive
3: oh and yeah it was the the echo the dolphin video that was the big hmm. turning point for me i um i created a you know not not the the first second but i made an echo the dolphin complete history video yeah and i was like you know what? i need to buy a copy of the game so i can hold it and stuff like that um and uh, yeah i bought it and then i went and put it in the box and i was like oh my god i already own a couple of copies of this i just didn't know what i had because i was just <laughs> yeah. buying games all the time so i was like no let's just sell the lot um mm. yeah there you go
0: and i think in terms of like the prices going up i mean joe and i were talking a couple of weeks ago that we're looking at the prices of like you know the seg 32x oh. and joe you, you kind of feel like you've missed the boat on getting yeah. one of those now don't you joe because the prices have gone up so much they've, they've yeah gone up, up so much yeah, yeah.
3: I remember, um, it's, it's absolutely insane. I mean, I bought 25 years ago Knuckles Chaotix for 15 quid. Uh, and that is a £300 game now. The really annoying thing about that is I, I, w- I was moving house at the time and I had to sell a few things. I like, okay, I'm going to sell that, which is a real shame because I generally quite liked it. And I sold it for like 100 and. £20 pounds or something like that Uh and then the next week they announced Sonic Mania and all Retro Sonic games tripled in price oh. And uh, <laughs> damn, literally a week later and it was all in box and everything manual looked like it never been touched yeah,
0: you never know <laughs> if there's a right time to sell though do you no nah, nah, re- exactly uh,
3: I mean I've got Streets of Rage 3 on my shelf it's probably the, the it's definitely the, the worst Streets of Rage game out of all of them yet mm. it's worth stupid money now like a few hundred pounds yeah it, it's insane to think that. that that's just sitting up there that that thing under the big thick layer of dust it's nuts <laughs> it's nuts <laughs> i i always look at them and
2: i think that's my uh my that's my daughter's uni fees
3: <laughs> you know 100 yeah that will pay for my funeral when i'm 80 <laughs> like, yeah. yeah do you
0: ever fear that the bottom will drop out the market will be worthless in like 20 30 years i don't
3: know i really don't know if it will i i, I feel like everyone keeps saying this, but I, I haven't seen yeah. it happen yet. I mean, you know, mm. it, it's just getting more and more popular because more and more people are able to get online and see it, you know, from back in the day when you didn't have as readily, everyone wasn't readily accessible to the internet. And um, then it was only really popular if you found uh, or worth a lot of money, if you found someone that was willing to spend that money. But nowadays you will always find someone that's willing to put down stupid money to get it over someone else. So I, I just can't, I can't see it going down. I mean, even, even switch games, um, some of those are are stupid money now skylanders Mm. can you believe skylanders the most throwaway game of like the last decade potentially is worth almost 200 pounds on the switch because it was a Mm. rare game and it's like that that is a system that's still still popular to this day bonkers well I mean, in terms of you know getting away from the
0: screen and getting out and about i mean obviously in this uh you know post-pandemic world events are back on yes. again i saw that you were at, um Oll in in norwich a couple of weeks ago i mean any more events that you're planning on getting out
3: to over summer oh, i definitely want to go to play expo but i think that's more in october summer summer yeah. times my, my family time so we'll, we'll go to the netherlands there is a big retro gaming uh museum there somewhere so i'm gonna try and visit that But yeah, I'm I'm all about the family in the summer, go out on holiday, go to Disneyland, all that sort of stuff.
0: (laughs) Have a bit of a break from it all. Yeah, you need it now. Oh, for
3: sure. For sure. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We went out to Florida last year and it was awesome. And now I'm just like, got to go see more of the world. Yeah, yeah, no, one hundred percent.
0: I mean, in terms of your channel and anything coming up over the next couple of months, anything you're working on now that you can tell us about? Uh,
3: well, yeah, I've got that Switch game. The the what, what have I called it? I've called a really good clicky title. What is it? The 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 Switch game that Kickstarter destroyed. That's what I'm working on now. Like ooh. nice. Uh, but other than that, I want to work on like an Evil Dead. And then I am going to start looking into my next um, uh, complete history. Uh, which I mean, I'm, I mean, I mean, I'm in I'm in that mind space at the moment where it could be so many different things so I'm I'm, I'm possibly looking at like all of the illusion games uh to do you know Mickey Mouse and all that Mm. sort of stuff because Japan actually put a hell of a lot more under that umbrella it's not just World of Illusion Castle of Illusion they have like all Quackshot and everything like that under it uh so that may be quite a good interesting history piece um I mean who knows who knows where I'm going to go uh normally I go in there thinking I'm going to do one of these games for a complete history and then end up doing something completely different
0: or well, whatever you do, mate. You anyway, know, it's always quality viewing, and uh, <laughs> you know the, the amount of views that you've got on your channel and subscribers proves that. So, um, best of luck with it all, and uh, let's not leave it five years till we catch up again. Yeah, yeah definitely. Let's see you the next
3: time. Awesome. Thanks, guys.
0: <laughs> all the best, Dan. Nice to talk to you, mate. Cheers, guys.